the Sci-Fi Diner Classic. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And tonight, we are bringing you an interview with a very lovely young lady. Yes, um, at the time, I was not as familiar with her work, That's but... That's right, you were not watching Stargate I, at that I, point. I, I was not, and so I, you know, didn't get to appreciate her work, but the, the year after, I went on a, on a major Stargate watch, and... Uh, that was remedied very quickly after that. Oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So Tori Higginson, mm-hmm. right? Right. People know her as who? Dr. Elizabeth Weir. She uh, she commanded uh, the Atlantis expedition for the first couple seasons. Yeah, until she went and got all replicant on us. Right, right. Uh, poor, I mean, uh, man, they put her character through the ringer. Yeah, and wow, what a sweet lady. It's mm-hmm. uh, a down-to-earth lady who... Really, really humble about her experience in Stargate, wouldn't you say? Very humble and just still surprised that, you know, people still care and excited about, you know, about what she did and, you know, her work and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And, uh, probably the only guest who ever told me to F off. <laughs> I think she meant that in the nicest way. Right, in the most loving way. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, but uh, but she but she thanked me for calling her lovely, so, you know. Right, I, right. So I get, I get cussed at, mm-hmm. and you get called lovely. Uh, I see how it goes, Miles. You, you just got to know how to talk to, you know, women, Scott. Yeah, you just can't whip out the fancy technology in front of women, and, right? And, well, she just got insanely jealous. I mean, it I was know. just, you, 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 know. you, you, you lay on the compliments, and, you know, it just... It works out better for you. Yes, yes. Well, I got, I'm going to take a page from your book the next time I meet her. But, right. But in the meantime, we want to share this interview that we did about two years ago, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, at Shore Leave. And it was the same year. I think Edward was there. Wasn't the same year? Yeah. Was there? Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. And, and Kevin Sorbo. was there. And Kevin Sorbo. We mm-hmm. have to bring Kevin Sorbo into that. We had a good time with him. We had a great time we'll with him, We'll have to be our number 22. But mm-hmm. So I've been at our Classic 21 here, and we're bringing you Tori Higginson from Stargate Atlantis. And we hope you enjoy this This is Dr. Weir, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Our intel was correct. The planet has been completely destroyed. Can you detect any trace replicator cells? Negative. They've been completely wiped out. Good. We can finally get to work without having to look over our shoulders. It's time to begin. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're fans of great movies like The English Patient, great sci-fi shows such as uh, Tech War, The Outer Limits, Stargate, and Stargate Atlantis, then you'll be delighted to know that we are talking with the lovely Ms. Tori Higginson. Ms. Higginson, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Why, thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for lovely. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you are. <laughs> no. um, well, so forgive me for asking this. Are we speaking with the real Tori Higginson or a replicant? Replicant. Oh, okay. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Real life replicant. <laughs> uh, 
last year we had a chance to meet some of your your, your former fellow castmates. Uh, Christopher Hiredal was here last year. Oh, lovely! Uh, he's talk, adorable, right? He, he's great. Yeah, we, we, we spoke no, about He talked to us for about an hour. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> not that we're expecting that much. No, 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 no. no <laughs> just, uh, he was just um, he was just very laid back. Uh, we talked with Robert Carter last year. Oh, sweet, mm-hmm. nice, and. Uh, uh, Rachel Latrell and Jason Momoa, and uh, he's a big guy. He's a very big guy, right? And the two of them together are adorable. <laughs> the little pixie, and he is Conan, and he is Conan, yeah. right? Right, right, right. Which <laughs> is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So, well, the question was, you know, whether Hiredal was bigger, and he claimed that he was taller. Oh. So they had a little bit of competition. And who won? I, I think Hiredal. He was tall. I would think he's taller. Yeah. He's got that long, lean thing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Right, right. So. Cool. Uh, well. With Stargate Atlantis, can you tell us uh, what inspiration you drew uh, to uh, create your character, Dr. Elizabeth Weir? Um, I mean, it's so funny with series. What happens is it goes so quickly. All of a sudden, you get a job, and within three days, and with this job, I was in another city. So I was hired, and literally, you had about a week to pack up your life and move to another city, another mm-hmm. country. So it was kind of a strange. Usually, I like to dive in and do some. Serious research. Find out, like, you know, what kind of a doctor is she? What is this? And you didn't have any time for that. All of a sudden, you're in Vancouver and you were working. And also, I was starting to work on SG One as well because they right. had to replace or you know introduce Weir with brown hair. Um, so I was shooting the two at the same time. So there was no, yeah, there was no time to do any personal sort of research. Mm-hmm. And it was funny. I spoke to the writers about wanting to see the past Stargates because I hadn't seen them and I wanted to see the introduction of Dr. Weir. But I was concerned about it because we're also chameleons. Yeah, switched to character, right? Yeah. And I thought, I don't want to watch another actor do it because A, it can make me very insecure and I could go, mm-hmm. oh my God, she's way better than me. I can't do it. Or B, I might steal from her and I was hired based on my instincts and I don't want to. So it was great. I talked to Brad about that. And he was lovely. He said you were based on hired based on what you did when you walked into that room. So I, if you you know, I think you should watch it just to get a background. But don't take anything except for what's on the page. Right. So that was cool, and that gave me a little bit. But yeah, it was funny. I didn't do any of the academic research that usually oh. I love to do. I just sort of dove in, and then you sort of started learning through the process. Yeah. Right, right, right. So they gave you a lot of freedom in uh, creating her. Well, I mean, it was kind of, so I'm sweating like a mother in here. Um, oh, sorry, it's you. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they, they didn't, to me, it was pretty, the situation that they put you in, and that was an interesting um, balance, right? Because actors want character-driven pieces, and right. writers like plot-driven pieces. Right. And so there's always that struggle between producers and writers of, you know, what the purpose is. But the first few episodes, the plot, the story is so extreme Kind of what research could you do? I mean, really, I, mm. I, I, I don't know anybody that's lived on another, sure. <laughs> in another universe. Right. There, there's nowhere I can go for that. So you kind of just put yourself in that reality. I mean, there's nothing to, to match it with. So you just mm. let your imagination go and dive in. And so, yeah, it wasn't so much character work, but the situation, the stories, and the plot. Then after two or three episodes, and we all settled in and went, oh, now I know who she is. Mm-hmm. Right. So it kind of happened that way. Does cool. that make sense? Right. Well, um, and what you know, and really, what a great story having a female lead, you know, running this base and the whole tension between the military and mm. the tension they're playing with in SGU a little bit. Oh, good. Is a the whole military civilian control, which is kind of played within Atlantis, but this is taken maybe to a bigger extreme. Oh, wonderful, which I'm glad they did because right. I think it's a really interesting question. I mean, it goes on in our day to day right I mean, now. It's, it's totally social commentary. Absolutely yeah. right, which is the beauty of sci-fi, right? Right, it right. Allows right. you to do all that stuff, right, right. and also the beauty of sci-fi that they have been forerunners in having women as leaders, I know. which is so gorgeous. Right. You know. Right. Now you had a chance to 
it was a play, a replicated version of yourself in the show. Uh, did you, was, there, was there a difference for you, how you played the replicated version? I mean, did you draw on some different things for that character? Um, well, again, we were sort of told... It was funny, because I did a show called Tech War years ago, where I was a android, and so I, and I talked to William Shatner about it. It was based on his novels, and I said, well, what do I do to be a robot? He goes, no, no, you're a level 10. Absolutely no difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, no difference? He goes, absolutely no difference. I said, but there has to be, because then I come back as a person, and there has to be some. He goes, you're a level 10. <laughs> I just had to keep saying that, I am level 10. Yeah. <laughs> I am level 10. Um, so I kind of thought what it, what it did for her was she was the same except her decision making was less emotional okay and that was kind of it so it gave her a, a bit more freedom was yeah. was it fun playing a you know the replicated version too yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's always fun it's fun sort of having a list too going okay I've done old wear I've done robot wear I've done mm-hmm. <laughs> replic- you know you sort of all the different versions that, that is really cool. but it, it was cool to watch that because you're, you're certainly there's almost a little bit of a coldness to wear as a robot, which you don't get um, on the base. Oh, good. Or on Atlantis. Yeah. At least that was my, my feeling about it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, good. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Now, speaking of Stargate Universe, uh, there's rumors that uh, there'll be some uh, characters from Stargate Atlantis making appearances on there. Uh, any chance we look forward to you making a appearance? Well, as I said to a fan yesterday, you guys hear before I do. <laughs> so, truly, you guys know way more than I do. It's okay. amazing. So, if you hear, would you mind sending me an email? Uh, Let me no know. problem. Um, <laughs> I don't expect to because, you know, I think they killed me seven or eight times. I don't know. Right. But at this point, I'm sort of floating around space, I think. Um, so, I, I doubt it. Mm-hmm. But, you know. It's Maybe they encounter you floating around. I mean, right? You're Maybe. Replicant. You can't die. Exactly. Maybe there's a hundred of me. They kind of like a Milky Way, which is made up of replicator weirds just flipping around. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> the Milky not Way weird, not an impossible sci-fi. No. Nothing's impossible. Right, right, right. <laughs> what was the uh, atmosphere like on the set of Stargate Atlantis? Was it laid back, a tight ship, or, you know... Well, it's funny. We used to always uh, compare ourselves to the SG-1 crew, and the SG-1 crew just sees, you know, they're laid back and, mm-hmm. you know, partiers and just, like, hell for leather, jokesters <laughs> and, like, everything. And we were sort of the anal sort of... <laughs> and I think because we came in and we had this franchise that was so successful and mm-hmm. we were filming right beside them, and there's a little bit of insecurity going... We don't want you to hate us. Are we coming on? Because there's rumors. Are we coming on? Because you're being canceled. Is there resentment here? Mm. Is there fans going to resent us? Yeah. So there's that sort of a pressure that, as well as the success, and going, are we going to live up to this franchise? So we were all a little bit more anal and narrow and sort of businesslike and. Mm-hmm. And those guys, you know, I won't say to show up drunk and <laughs> party. They were a much more fun crew, okay. for sure. We were a bit more. And then I think, you know, Jason, when he showed up, he shook us up, which was great. I think the Davids and the Joes and myself were a little bit in our head and would worry too much. And then Jason showed up one Right. Bugger worrying. Ricardo is saying for himself, I mean, comparing his experience with Stargate and with, uh, with Star Trek Voyager was, for him, was a little more freedom to, if he had a good ad lib... You know, he would have to clear with a bunch of producers on Voyager, whereas on Atlantis it was, you know, well, I had this idea. It's like, oh, that's, that's good. It was, uh, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So I, maybe, maybe it was a really tight ship on, on Star Trek. Yeah. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder. Did you have a lot of freedom with the script to bring yourself into it? Um, or did honestly, you? I'm not looking to show anymore. I can be honest. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't feel that much freedom, no. I felt that it was, uh, was a, a struggle, and I felt that... Um, 
Uh, you know, when Brad Brad made his door really available, but then he sort of, during the process of the series, was getting busy in other series and doing the movies, and he sort of disengaged from Atlantis. And when that happened, it was really difficult, I felt, to have mm-hmm. a communication with anybody. Mm-hmm. And I felt that a lot of time, too, when you did suggest it, there's a lot of personal stuff. And I think people were stressed. I think it got to a point that they were kind of working on three series mm-hmm. at once, and everyone was just exhausted. And like, I don't want to hear another thing. I'm fighting with five writers here, two producers, and <laughs> a network, and I don't want to hear an actor tell me something. Need an actor coming in. Television right, television. yeah. So I kind of did start getting that vibe, which surprised me because it didn't feel mm-hmm. like that to begin with. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, stuff happens, and I think they are on their way to the next one. So mm-hmm. it sounds this next one too. They've really opened that up, and they have this amazing crew of actors. I met David Blue at a con last year, um, and the other ones though are just so strong and such established mm-hmm. actors that mm-hmm. I think it's great. It's allowing you know they're hopefully teaching the producers a little bit of oh yeah, give us some freedom, and mm-hmm. it's a bit more right, 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 right. Well, and then as we are toward the end of the series, when you become replicant, you kind of disappear for a while. Was that, uh, did you have other things going on, or was that just a script writing decision? I mean, how did that all play out? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that, I don't know. I, I think that it wasn't my choice. I mean, okay. I, I think it was, I mean, I, I you know, I, I think they knew I was a bit frustrated with what was happening. I felt that they weren't using her to the best of her ability, and I didn't quite know why I was there. It was that discussion about military, and, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, if, if she has no input here, then don't let her be here. Have, have that be the story and write her out, but make it clear. So right. I think they knew I was frustrated, and they didn't quite know what to do with me, so it kind of got a little bit messy, and then... Yeah, and then I took off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a great episode. That, that episode where you become the replicant is phenomenal. It's pretty wild. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty wild. They do some good steps. <laughs> right, right. Are you making uh, some more convention appearances? How many do you usually do a year? I, I only seem to, I seem to do like two or three maybe. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it's definitely, you know, it's slowed down a little bit. I, I might go to New Zealand. I think I was invited to New Zealand, New Zealand in October. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure it's a far trip, though. I've done it before. It's amazing. It is, but uh, come on, New Zealand. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Every actor we talk to has been to New Zealand saying, look, you got to go. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's shocking. Yeah, like I did do one there a few years ago. And, I mean, it's amazing. You think, what an extraordinary, how lucky are we? We get... I mean, this whole convention thing, the first time I did one, I went, I'll never do that again. It's, it completely freaked me out. It was very, I'm a pretty private person, so okay. I just found it sort of, wow. <laughs> yeah, really overwhelming. But then the more I did them, and you sort of had to do them to begin with for, you know, this publicity stuff, and I fell in love with it because I recognized that Hey, how goddamn lucky. Who else gets a weekend where everyone tells them how much they appreciate what they do? Mm-hmm. Like, every job should have that. Every job. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, teachers. And you should have a... Are you a teacher? I am. I'm a oh, teacher. my God. I mean, I've always, you know... <laughs> they're the people that should be getting the awards and the appreciations and the... I mean, it... it it surprises me, but it, it's such a lucky thing. And I've been sort of unemployed this past year a fair amount. I've done some theater, but it hasn't been a very lucrative year. Right. So this has been a great weekend, just having all these people come up and tell you how much they appreciate work you've done. And it's, yeah, it's an amazing gift, that on top of flying around the world. And they say, we're going to fly you to New Zealand and tell you that you're great. <laughs> yeah. And like, pay oh, you a little bit. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know, I know. Just speaking as a family, seeing you guys, I mean... Uh, after a long day at work, we come home and we put in Stargate or something like that. It helps us to not only unwind. I mean, we, I guess we are entertained at the same time. A lot of it's social commentary, so we're still thinking at the same time. Or 
you know, uh, just bringing us, um, sometimes it's cathartic. I mean, if you've seen you guys sometimes struggle through, I mean, a, a situation. Um, and so just appreciate, you know, you guys putting yourself out there. Oh, that's cool. What a cool thing to say. And what a beautiful thing to say, too, about I hadn't thought about that, about how it's television, so it's allowing you to relax, but it's television that is still making you think. Right. And that's... I mean, that's a big complaint about television. Is on mm-hmm. the whole, it doesn't. It makes people turn their brain off. Mm-hmm. And so if something right. does inspire you, it does make you go, oh, what does that mean in our world? Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. I mean, sometimes, I mean, yeah, there is some television you just turn your brain off, but there's so much just like, it's like reading a book. You got to, you know, yeah. you got to engage it. Yeah. Well, sci-fi, I think, is a little bit more notorious for making you think. Yeah. Than good sci-fi. Completely, right? Because it's a safe environment to do exactly that, to explore religion and politics and things that are really difficult to explore in our sure. world without, you know, getting upset or defensive. And right. here we we can explore those really personal things mm-hmm. in a venue, which is safe, because right, right, right. we're talking about another world. Right, yeah. right, right. So it, it, that's why it's—I it, it's, mean—you're almost therapists for us in a sense. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, well, you're, you guys are therapists for us. <laughs> we come here and go, oh, yeah, I am okay. Yeah. Yes, thank yes. you. Yes. <laughs> well, what future projects can we look forward to seeing you in? Oh, I, I always feel like I should. I, I'm much too transparent. I always feel as an actor, you're supposed to say, "Oh, I've got these things on the sidelines." I got nothing coming up right now. I'm working on my garden a lot. Well, that's good. To be which I'm very excited about. I love my tomatoes, my mm-hmm. zucchinis. I just figured out potatoes. I'm working on garlic. You know. Well, you, you <laughs> need to up in Canada now. No, I live in Los Angeles. Okay, Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a big garden? I do. I bought this teeny little house about two years ago, and it's teeny little house, and the garden's like three times the size of it. So I kind of bought it with that idea going, hmm, I know the economy's funny. I might be unemployed for a while, so I'm going to get a place that I can grow my own food just mm-hmm. in case. <laughs> that's Getting off the grid. That, that's actually a smart thing to do. Yeah. Right? I, mean, right? Yeah. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I might get some chickens, too. That's oh, my next okay. oh. Two chickens. That'd I have enough fun. eggs for me and my neighbors. I know. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And then maybe I can do a reality show about it so I can get a job. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you Actor goes gardening. I know. Uh, my mom's a big gardener. We have a few tomato plants and some oh, zucchini really? and stuff like that. But that's it for us. And then my mom, of course, when growing up, we had three-fourths of an acre and acre garden. Really? And she was feeding a family of six. So. Oh, my God. Good for her. But it's hard work gardening. It's a lot of work to I keep hated, everything up. I hated it growing up. <laughs> I did. You know, yeah. because, you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, i got to go out and, you know, weed the garden, you know, pick the potato beetles off or whatever it is right? that you have to do. And yeah, and it's a chore. It I is. It is a chore. But, you know, I did, but I've considered, especially with the economy going yeah. back into it, I'm like, well, yeah. I know how to do this. Yeah, and on it. every level, not only the economy, but also the transportation of the food, the oil issue. You think about right. food that's being mm. transported, like... So and it tastes better. So it it's tastes better. And it's, it's cheaper, and it's sure. and there's yeah. just that satisfaction of uh, you. You made this happen, right? right? Mm-hmm. There's right. something magic about that. It's mm-hmm. true. Taking a bite of tomato, going, "Oh my god, you know, that you was a seed." Right. I put that seed in the ground. That's right. <laughs> Kept the water, you weeded it, and yeah, you to see your work in the. Yeah. Right, and that's the other thing I think is tangible. Because I was talking about that as an actor. What we do is very untangible. It's mm-hmm. very. Um, you know, and I used to do a lot of theater. I just actually finished a play a little while ago. I did a Much Ado But Nothing, which was great. I had mm-hmm. been Shakespeare for a while. And I was amazed the number of sci-fi fans that flew out to L.A. to see it. Oh, great. It blew my heart five <laughs> sizes bigger. I couldn't believe it. And people that had never seen a play before and never seen Shakespeare before. Mm-hmm. Really, really beautiful. Um, yeah, what was I saying? <laughs> no, play Much Ado About Nothing. But, but oh, I'm not sure why... It- Oh, my God, I can't remember. There's a connection about the garden, but I lost it. No, that's all right. Coffee hasn't kicked in. Well, you, I mean, you're enjoying, you know, doing lots of my theater. I mean, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, that's my next, you know, I'd love to do that a bit more of that next year. It was a really great reminder of, um, of the muscles. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. My pleasure. Thank you.